You're listening to the Authentic Sellers Club podcast. I'm your host, Danielle. I'm a career saleswoman, a single mom, and someone deeply passionate about the art of the sale. I wanted to create a space that was dedicated to the seller, not the sellout. So here you're going to find some practical conversations, tips and tricks, and real life stories on how to show up as your full authentic self in the world of sales. Whether you are new or you have been selling longer than I've been alive, this podcast is the place for you. No matter the size of the deal, you shouldn't have to compromise who you are to experience success. And in this room, sales is not a dirty word. Welcome to the club. Hello, welcome. I am so excited you're here. On today's episode, we are going to be discussing how to define your dream client and how to manifest that dream client into your book of business. We have a lot to cover in 20 minutes, so let's just dive right in. This is going to be another solo episode, so you've got some more pure, concentrated (laughs) Danielle content today. Okay, so I have had so many different ideal client profiles over my career, but when I think about my dream client, some of the pieces always remain the same, okay? It's three main, I guess, chunks, right? I love a client who communicates clearly and consistently. I love a client who is confident in their role and where they sit inside the organization, And then this last one might sound a little crazy, but I love a client who holds me accountable. So defining your ideal client profile is an exercise that you really want to do at least once a year, sometimes twice a year, but that's going to be specific to what you are selling. So start there, right? And and when I'm going through this process, I like to think of myself more like a matchmaker than like I'm someone just selling something. So I'm trying to define what type of organization is like my my slam dunk, right? Like, and I try to get oddly specific in that. Um, so like right now, for example, my ideal client profile They are a healthcare company that has to work alongside a hospital system. They probably have several locations. Maybe they grew through acquisition, so they have basically like a few IT environments under the hood, and they have a small IT department of their own. So something like maybe one to maybe even up to 10 employees that are in their IT department. Maybe though they are backed by like a private equity group and they need to clean up their IT environment so that they can be in a more valuable position to sell in three to five years. And basically everyone they have as decision makers is someone who works in finance, maybe doesn't have a strong IT background. Um, So that's, you know, that's my oddly specific (laughs) ideal client profile. And I really, really recommend that you guys define what your ideal client profile is, like I said, once, maybe twice a year. Okay. You can do this per vertical as well. So I just wanted to give you guys that as an example. But so even when I come into a conversation, right, and I I found the person, the, the, the group that fits my profile. Okay. I come into that initial conversation with the mindset that I know nothing and I can assume nothing. 
Okay. I think a lot of salespeople, especially new in their career, they can take the posture of knowing more than the client. And honestly, like a lot of that comes from when you're initially coming into the sales world, right? They'll start you out with your product training. So you are learning everything about features and benefits. And so you sometimes, if you're nervous and you don't feel like you belong in the room in the first place and you finally get this meeting and it's with your ideal client profile, like you want to come in and you want to show them how smart you are. So sometimes you're not even coming in assuming that you know more than the client. You want to just prove how much you know, okay? But what ends up happening and how it kind of ends up coming across whenever you come in assuming that you know more than your client, it's incredibly rude and honestly presumptuous. And it's hardly ever the case that you truly know more than your client. So you can read all the articles, you can do all of the research, but at the end of the day, you have to have a business conversation with them to see if they even need what you so desperately want to sell them, okay? So this is what is called commission breath, and a buyer can smell it from a mile away. It is when you are looking at this prospect as dollar signs, you've already calculated your commission, and you just need to hurry up and get to the yes, <laughs> okay? They're going to smell your commission breath, all right? So I've found my dream organization. They fit my oddly specific thing that I'm looking for. They have a budget, and they are ready to have a conversation with me. I am still looking for those three things. So... The first one, the clear and consistent communicator, I'm going to explain why that's on the list. It seems like an obvious one, but I want to really let you know how we got here. So let me back up the canoe a little bit, okay? I have been through many sales trainings in my career, like so many different methodologies. And I'm a total nerd for these courses. I absolutely gobble them up. I also may as well note here, you know, when you're in a meeting and they're like, if we don't have any further questions and the meeting can be over, I'm the girl with the questions. It's me. I'm the girl with the questions and anyone who's ever worked with me can attest to the fact that I'm the girl with the questions. So if that means we're not friends anymore, like I accept it. This is about me being authentic in myself. Okay. Anyway. So one of the methods that I really, really love is the Sandler method. And in that method, they have this thing called the upfront contract. So theirs is very structured, which I appreciate. I love being able to edit more than to start from scratch, but I think it's so great to have like that framework to start with. So what they have with their upfront contract, I will use when I'm, especially whenever I am initiating my relationship with this person, if they balk at the upfront contract, that is a pretty clear sign they are not going to be my dream client. We may still do business together, but I'm probably not going to let them know about all of the really cool things that we get tickets for that I can take them to or how I'm going to really make their dollar scream or, you know, all those really special things that happen when Danielle is your account manager. So here's an upfront contract. Here's what it looks like. There's your purpose. You're going to explain why you're having the meeting. 
There's the other person's agenda and their expectations, your agenda and your expectations, time and logistics, and then what the outcome is. So what that's going to sound like is, um, hey, thanks. The purpose for this meeting is for us to discuss X, Y, Z. I'm sure you have some questions for me. I have some questions for you. I want to confirm that we have 30 minutes scheduled for this meeting and that nothing is going to get in the way of it. And should we, you know, the outcome of this meeting, we will either determine that it makes sense for us to continue the conversation or we're going to shake hands as friends and and go our merry way and just, you know, thanks for your time, right? When someone is not feeling, the, the point is for the, comf- the client to feel really comforted by the framework of the upfront contract because you're basically s- establishing the rules of engagement. And that kind of goes back to what we talked about in a previous episode about how sometimes it's really powerful to not be available all the time. Part of that is also not being available for the meeting to go on and on and on and on and on. So yes, sometimes there's going to be conversations that are great and you guys are just vibing and it's everything's wonderful and you may have a meeting that goes long, but setting that expectation up front that you intend the meeting to end at a certain time and they intend the meeting to end at a certain time and that you can also reference back to that inside the meeting to say, hey, I want to be respectful of your time. I know only I have a few more minutes, blah, 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 that it's just such a great way to just set the stage, like set the bar. And we'll, I have a guest coming on in a couple of weeks where we are going to have an entire set the bar conversation. I'm excited about that. But that is what I mean by that clear and consistent communication. That is going to lead to so many other wonderful things happening with the client, like when you send them the contract and it isn't replied back with a signature in a timely manner, or you need to get information from them so that you can finish building out their quote, or, you know, the the list goes on and on and on for why it's really valuable to have a client who communicates clearly and consistently. Okay, next. I love a client who is confident in their role and where they sit in the organization. Here's why that's important. Will I work with you if you are a clear and consistent communicator and your cl- and your profile, your organization profile, we are slam dunking it. Yes, yes, yes. But then you happen to be someone who either is not the final decision maker and or you are in way over your skis. So This happens a lot, (laughs) a lot. And it's sometimes not always something that you recognize right from the beginning. Another one of the sales trainings that I've gone through before is um, Miller-Hyman Method. Really like their process as well of identifying your buyer profiles. So even if you think that you are doing a one-to-one sale. What I loved about Miller-Hyman is they were very good about, you know, what you have your your technical buyer, you have your user buyer, you have your decision maker, like your actual financial buyer, and then you have your coach, and then you have Jane and John Doe. You always leave room for the influencer that you have no idea has a say in your sale. And that just really 
kind of keeps you aware of what could blow up an entire sale that you think is just absolutely crushing it. Okay. So what can happen when you're dealing with a client who is not confident in their role and they're not confident where they sit inside the organization, you can have a situation where they may be also trying to build their credibility with whoever is above them, who might be the final, you know, decision maker. And so you kind of have to, your, your sale has to be a little bit more complex because you have to get multiple people to win in that process. So when the person that you're dealing with is not confident in their role and confident in where they sit inside the organization, it just all gets a lot more complicated and you really have to play defense um, more strategically. And I can get into a whole conversation about buying profiles. That'll probably be another episode, but I think you get my point. One more thing I want to say about when you're working with the client who is not confident in their role or they're not confident of where they sit inside the organization, when you're working with that specific type of client, again, everything else is exactly what you want it to be, but you're working with that client, you better keep a paper trail because that is also typically the client who will throw you and your organization under the bus anytime they end up under pressure because of whoever is, you know, above them. So you really, really have to cover like CYA on those. Okay. Like keep the receipts. Okay. Last but not least, I love the client who holds me accountable. And I know that that sounds a little odd, um, but here's what I mean by that. Life happens. And when I have a client who says, hey, you said that you were going to get me that thing and I don't have it yet. It's one thing whenever they're just like being unreasonable, but it's another thing whenever you get that feedback from someone in my opinion, that means they really trust you and they really value the relationship to be honest with you and to have what could otherwise be an uncomfortable conversation. So I love it. I'm like, yeah, I didn't get you the thing. Oh, here it is. And also, usually that same time a client is going to be the one who will speak up when they don't understand something. They will negotiate back with you and make sure that they're making a good educated decision on what it is that they're buying. I I think it was Sandler Method, and it was a conversation they were having specifically around objection handling and kind of shifting your mind on, object, on objective handling. And one of the things they said that just stuck out to me so much is that objections are great. That means you're still in a conversation. When you're at the beginning stages of, um, you know, going through discovery and everything with your client, and they are continuing to give you objections. You're still having a conversation. They still have questions. Usually when someone doesn't have any further questions, it's because they've already made up their mind and it's usually that you're not making it to the next round. So when the objections come up, and especially obviously when they're done in a respectful way, um, that's a really, really good sign. So I love, love, love a client who's gonna hold me accountable um, and have the trust in our relationship that they can speak up in that way. 
All right. It's time to shift gears. We have defined our ideal client profile. We have defined what makes up the dream client. Now we're going to talk about how you actually draw that into your book of business. People love the word manifesting and you can have, you know, a love-hate feeling around it. There are some people who have their vision boards and they get really, really specific with the way that they manifest. Those people are probably going to really love this method that I'm going to talk about next. Then there are also some people who maybe lean more towards how they want to feel and aren't as specific about it. Honestly, that's really how I work with my manifesting and how I've had to adapt over the years. But I started out with um, kind of a combination of the dream client manifestation technique I'm about to talk about. So the first one is called the chalkboard method. So basically the premise behind this is at some point you need to physically make space for your clients. And the thought process behind that is the universe hates a vacuum. So that's where getting really specific about things can be awesome. So just for example sake, let's just say you are available to take on 10 new clients in a quarter is what you've determined. You're going to get up in a space that you can see really well, like, right in front of your desk or, you know, in your room, you know, you can, but something large, something that's in your face and you will write your 10 lines and understanding and getting really clear on who your ideal client is, who your dream client is. And then you have those 10 lines. And then the idea is that is the space for the names of the people who are going to be your dream clients. It's really that simple. And it's just putting it out there and saying to the universe, there's the space for you. So the other method that I want to talk about, it's similar to chalkboard method. And what what it looks at, you look kind of more at a full year, right? And you're looking more at different client sizes. You can do the same thing as the chalkboard method but you're going to break it up into different types of client. So maybe rather than just saying 10 clients in a quarter, you're going to say, I'm going to take 10 new clients on in a year. But two of those are going to be really big clients. Four of those are going to be medium-sized clients. And the rest are going to be small. So in the world of sales, I hate to say it, but... The majority of the people who have put out sales content are men. So the the terms are usually like hunting and fishing terms, right? So it's like, okay, well, you're going to have your whales or you're going to have your elephants, you know, or we're we're hunting for rabbits and squirrels, you know, whatever. I really should probably come up with like another, maybe that's my challenge. I'm going to start asking my guests like for different hunting terminology (laughs) or different, you know, client acquisition terminology that isn't just hunting. But, you know, so you've got your, your two whales a year and your four like bear or something. And then (laughs) 
And then the other four would be smaller clients or maybe you have, you know, three, whatever, whatever your breakdown is of what you think you can take on in a year. The idea is that the smaller client is not going to take as much time to bring on and that you will be able to bring them on easier or quicker. And those bigger clients just take longer to acquire. Now, I know that everybody says that. And yes, I have experienced that to be true. But then I've also had giant accounts that just you are in the right place at the right time and it all just goes. So I guess when you're in the process of doing your chalkboard method, try to remove the part of you that has already decided how hard or how easy it is to acquire any one of those in the space. Remove yourself from the outcome of that. Do not set the timing because anyone who has been in sales for any amount of time, honestly, has probably experienced, even though we like to say, oh, my sales cycle is this long. Even though we like to say that, we like to give you this like average metric. The reality is every single sale is unique and is usually on some random timeline that you could never really predict, right? The only thing you can predict is your activity that you're putting towards what will lead to a you know decision, a sale, but who it's going to be, when it's going to be, where it's going to come from, so many of those things are completely outside of your control. So kind of, you know, I know, I know finance doesn't want to hear that from, from their sales team. I know that when we're doing, you know, forecasting, reporting up, they don't want to hear like, well, I don't know what I'm forecasting. Like they don't want to hear that. But the reality is like, that's just what happens. Um, at some point we'll talk about the rule of thirds, um, and how to kind of get more strategic with understanding that timelines are always wonky. Um, but anyway, that is, the really bare bones basics of manifesting your dream client. Make space for them. Define what they look like, who they are, and then let it unfold. Now, in addition to that, you can have a few people who you just have kind of, you can do it with the clients that you want to close, but you can also have like your target list of your dream just have a meeting with client, right? There are some people who I have been able to take a meeting with and we were able to determine that I didn't have the right solution for them. But they are such great people. They are influencers in the industry that they're in. They are thought leaders. And having a really great relationship with them where I know that they'll take my call has proved to be absolutely invaluable. So don't sleep on those relationships as well because you never know when that's the one that's the reason that you, you know, bagged that whale or whatever the hunting term is. I don't know. All right, y'all. That is a wrap on this episode. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you found this episode informative, entertaining, and if so, share it with a friend. Maybe they'll find it helpful too. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. 
You can find us on Spotify, on anchor.fm. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts. Please leave a review if you feel so inclined. I would really appreciate it. Don't forget to check our website, www.authenticsellersclub.com. There you'll be able to find show notes, resources, and any other information related to today's episode. You can also catch us on Instagram at Authentic Sellers Club. Thank you again so much for listening. Looking forward to bringing some guests on the next episode. And until then, I'm sending you so much love and all those signatures. Bye for now.